From Hagerstown, Maryland, the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley bring you their weekly podcast. This week, we are talking to safety professionals from our members within ABC about how they're dealing with some of the new regulations for the COVID-19 outbreak. So let's join in on the conversation. Have you guys started that process of rewriting those manuals, or do you think your manuals and, and certain procedures will just have a new look? Is that what you're alluding to? Right now, ours is the addendum because right away, general contractors and, and Bill, you could probably speak on this a little better, but general contractors were asking for our plans. So uh, I would say right now, and it, it's kind of an addendum, if you will, but yeah, it will definitely be, um, it won't be COVID specific. It may be more like pandemic or, you know, I don't know how that wording will be, but it will definitely be a chapter in the manual. Yes. So what about uh, Bill? How, how are you guys seeing this and have you experienced any uh, refusals or, or lackadaisical approaches um, to this? And how are you planning to, to handle that if, if you have that in the future? That's a good, um, it's, it's really dependent on the phase of the project. I would say, you know, at the beginning of a project when everything is outside, uh, it's really hard to justify wearing a mask when the guys are 30 feet apart outside, not in interior settings. So there's not a whole lot of repercussions that can happen at that point. What I'm seeing is a lot of agreement when we're inside uh, on a roof. Um, without a hesitation, and uh, most times the, the subs understand that. Um, as far as repercussions go, I mean, all you can do is remind the guys that it's not, you know, that mask is not for yourself, it's for the other people around you. And that's the constant reminder um, that we need to keep keep reinforcing to the guys. It's not, it's not for them personally, it's for the other people around them. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest misnomer I think you got to agree with is the scientists don't even know the percentages of asymptomatic folks uh, with COVID-19. Those are the spreaders. Um, they may not have any side effects whatsoever. So, you know, taking the temperature and telling them to stay home if they're sick doesn't qualify with, with that type of person. And that's the ones uh, we need to be concerned about on the safety end. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the most telling things I think through all of this uh, has been the few places where they've had uh, large scale testing, and they have found um, you know that basically they had thirty percent or so more uh, people that were asymptomatic than what they what they had thought originally. Um, and the other kind of side note on that. We've been seeing some pieces uh, in the news recently saying that possibly uh, some folks that were sick last year, October, November, December, here in the United States, um, that had a persistent cough and kind of couldn't get rid of it for a few weeks, that that may have been COVID-19 as well, um, because some of those folks are testing that they have the antibodies. Um, so this thing possibly could have been around longer than we than we think it was here in the United States. 
Um, it's, it's very, very possible. Uh, anybody else on the re refusal to, uh, to follow COVID rules or, or any experience with that? Me personally, I haven't had anybody that's refused. Um, yeah, I, I think, I hope uh, that they feel fortunate to be working uh, right now and be deemed essential in the state of Maryland. Uh, but I, I haven't had anybody. Now, we've had some, uh, yeah, which is typical. I'm sure everybody has. We've had some people that have had some uh, trouble with some of the PPE, whether it's a health issue or, or the PPE issues. So we've had to change some things around and be creative a little bit, um, you know, but we work through those things. But I haven't had anybody say that I absolutely will not do this. What about the uh, folks, and, and I'm, I'm asking this, I've not been out to any job sites, but I've you know, been traveling around some, going to stores, doing our, our local shopping, and uh, we see quite a few people that are wearing face masks that cover their mouth and it's, it's not covering their nose. Um, you know, whether that be the large nose piercing they have uh, gets caught on the uh, face mask or they're just, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they're not doing it. Um, you know, do you find yourselves needing to go through training with folks as well? Don't forget, this is how you wear your mask. You got to have it over your nose and over your mouth, um, all of those types of things. Um, or do you see some of those things on job sites? Um, you know, and again, I, I'm just trying to capture what's that real world look like out there for everybody that's listening so that everybody can be encouraged to, you know, kind of know what training they should be doing or what other things they might need to do to make it go better on the job site. I've seen a little bit of that. And, and just a reminder, uh, they usually pull it right back up. Um, there again, I think that some of the working through some of these issues is you cover your nose. Now you're fogging up your safety glasses. Uh, so I've seen some people wearing their safety glasses down on their nose a little bit or pulling their mask down. Uh, to uncover their nose so their glasses won't fog up. So uh, we purchased for everybody a, a really, really nice pair of, I mean, it's, a lot of manufacturers say anti-fog. This one is, is a true anti-fog, uh, and we gave everybody that. But for our guys wearing prescription safety glasses, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit more challenging for them. Uh, we're trying some different items to use as an anti-fog. Um, you know, some residential um, cleaners and things that, that help. Um, but, you know, we're, we're working through those issues. One of the, uh, just as a side note, one of the things I found in the concrete world uh, when uh, we, our biggest problem was going in and out of our kilns, um, which were high humidity and keeping your safety glasses on. And uh, we found that Rain-X, uh, the Rain-X fog, uh, uh, one actually works really well um, because also as you start to get into summertime and, and guys start to sweat and stuff and the sweat may run down over their glasses, um, the Rain-X not only keeps them from fogging up but also repels a little bit of water. So just a little note for everybody, if you haven't tried it, maybe try the Rain-X Fog-X um, uh, material or uh, product. Anybody else on that? I've had a little bit of luck with Kaboom also. I think it's K-A-B-O-O-M. Um, it's a, a cleaner and I've had some luck with that, but I'll definitely try that Rain-X. That's a good idea. 
And as soon as we're done with this, I'll call Rainex and Kaboom and see if they want to advertise uh, on our on our podcast. Sponsorship dollars there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, anybody else on uh, on that subject? So we'll, we'll move on a little bit um, as we are starting to see, um, specifically in in Pennsylvania, as we are starting to see some of the uh, some of the relaxing of the rules we are seeing that being done from county to county. Um, so uh, we are specifically located, uh, I'm located in Franklin County, PA, uh, and the county right next to us, Fulton County, has went to the yellow, and Franklin County is still under red. And uh, so that means as we are working from area to area, we're going to start to have to really pay attention to what is going on in those specific jurisdictions. And I was curious, uh, how are you guys handling that? Do you have a protocol put in place? Um, and, uh, you know, or, or your companies just saying, we're going to follow the most stringent out of all the places we work, we're going to follow the most stringent. We're going to do that everywhere on all of our job sites. What have been your uh, uh, tactics there? Um, Donnie, what about you guys? Because I know you guys travel a good bit um, between all the different areas. How are you tracking what you should be doing and, and what is your company's stance on that? Currently, we are uh, still following the most strict um, that's out there. Our take on it is if you're, it's always easier to be you know, more stringent than uh, to be underneath. Um, so that's what we're looking at right now. We're actually going to revisit everything. Uh, once a week, the, the head shed has been uh, revisiting everything, looking at what's going on where. Um, but right now, it's still we, we're still requiring our employees when they go to job sites and everything like that to wear their masks, try to maintain the six foot social distancing and, and all that. We're kind of doing the same is um, in Maryland. There are a couple counties that are a little bit more of a hot spot than others. Uh, so those counties have more stringent regulations. So we're just kind of keeping it the, the same is, is just corporate wide, doesn't matter where you are, that way it eliminates a lot of gray area. What about Breck, Bill and Hellman? Well, you know, the exposure prevention preparedness plan pretty much covers any part of the country we would work in, um, whether it's in Pennsylvania, in a red, yellow, or green county, it really wouldn't matter at that point. Um, you know, having construction as an essential business, uh, we're obligated to follow the CDC and OSHA guidelines, and that's pretty much where the plan stands at that point. Uh, what about Josh? What about uh, are you guys seeing anything with your customers and as you're talking to people um, as far as, and you know, I guess another question as well, um, that could be a whole nother podcast, but, uh, you know, how are the insurance companies reacting to this in general? Um, you know, do you think there will be requirements for new types of policies going forward? Uh, and when I say policies, not insurance policies, but do you think the insurance companies will, you know, possibly, um, you know, start to look at some of those things, um, as well as, uh, you know, what happens, um, if somebody, if somebody's in a jurisdiction, they, they're not following that jurisdiction's guidelines and something goes haywire, um, what would the insurance companies 
take on that be? Um, but your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we've we talked about policies, you know, a good many times, you know, on separate podcasts, but you know, kind of the same applies here. What's what's your company policy say? Um, and, you know, we have a couple of folks that work in some of those uh, red areas uh, up in the Pennsylvania, and they've continued to work remotely um, until those change just to keep from, I guess, crossing state lines or, you know, as Governor Wolf has been asked, has been asking them to do. Um, but it's a little bit more difficult when you, you know, your job requires you to be on the other side of that state line. Um, so, you know, what does your company policy say? I was talking to a gentleman this morning. He was asking, you know, about an individual that was in contact with a family member of someone who had tested positive, not with the exact uh, individual. Um, he had an employee that was in contact with a family member of someone who tested positive. He said, you know, what do I do? I said, well, kind of comes down. what's your policy say? Like, how do you, you know, how do you handle it? Um, and so, you know, when you have, when you have it written out, you know, and I, I know this has caused a lot of people, you know, as Jason said, you know, Jason may be in a good position because he's got job sites that have required him to do it, you know, but for those contractors that haven't had that push, that haven't had to provide their plan, um, you know, you're still kind of reacting a little bit when these things come up. Um, so, you know, where Jason, you know, may, may say that it's probably done his company well to have been put in a position where they had to provide that because you're kind of on the front end. Um, so amending policies, you know, is certainly going to continue to happen as these, you know, uh, different uh, rules change from week to week. Um, and, uh, but, you know, what your company policy says, you know, has a lot to do with what, when it comes down to the liability that your company assumes. Um, you know, if you're acting outside of what your company policy says, then you're kind of opening yourself up to a little bit of exposure. Um, but if you're staying aware of what's happening, amending, having toolbox talks, safety conversations with your team built around, you know, some of those conversation pieces, which I think this, you know, podcast could be, you know, a great tool that people could use just to kind of see what's happening week to week uh, and use that to, to keep their teams updated. Um, you know, I don't think you can go wrong there. Um, as long as you're making an attempt, you know, to stay on top of it and to make sure that your team's acting safely. That's really the, you know, the best that we can do right now. And on that, Josh, I know Walmart um, has had several employees sue them corporately for, uh, one of those employees passed away. Uh, the other was obviously contracted COVID-19 and was very sick. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but they did sue them corporately for a lack of providing a lack of PPE and also just uh, you know, not having policies and procedures in place quickly enough. Yeah, the worst thing you can do right now is just close your eyes and turn your head and hope it doesn't happen. Um, because when it does, you know, those are the type of things that's, I mean, when you talk about what are insurance companies, you know, seeing there's all types of conversations in the media about litigation and, you know, suing insurance carriers for this and that, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk right now going on around that. And so, yeah, I mean, if you expect that this is all just going to pass by, and it may, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be put in your position where they're required to do it. Um, but when that event occurs, you know, you're you're kind of trying to to catch up. You know, that's not the position that you want to be because this is a serious matter. 
um, and should be handled that way, at least from a management perspective. I know it's tough for a lot of employees going out there. Um, but, you know, as an owner of the business, um, I mean, you do have an obligation to create a safe working environment. And if you're not educating your employees, you know, on what they can do, like you said, handing out those glasses, you know, to the guys, providing them with PPE that they need. Um, I mean, you are kind of opening yourself up to some exposure if something were to occur that could be targeted, you know, specifically to that job site that you're on. So, yeah, I mean, policies, I mean, it's, we've, we've talked about, I think it's been mentioned in nearly every podcast to some degree. Um, I mean, it just can't, you can't say it enough. I mean, you've got to make some changes right now to how you handle this. And on that note, uh, we just unveiled uh, this morning for our staff our uh, return to work policy, um, which is a three-phase policy. Um, and, uh, you know, currently we're still under phase one. I, I'm having everybody work remotely and, and occasionally uh, for key operations, there could be one person at a time in our office. Um, and, um, <clears throat> you know, for us, uh, we currently, we typically would not have classes during the summer. Um, we are trying to do some remote classes right now, but we are uh, planning to uh, continue that phase one probably until, you know, providing that the, the governors have relaxed the uh, regulations by that point in time, probably till July or so. Amos, is that national we'll or is that Cumberland Valley? Cumberland Valley. Okay. Um, just Cumberland Valley. Uh, we uh, we expect, I expect that we will probably never go back to being in the office. Uh, you know, every employee being in the office 10 hours a day, every day. I don't think that'll ever happen again um, for various different reasons. The only thing though, to the point for us, when you think about it, um, when we do get to the point that we are able to have some classes in person, um, I, I think it's important that we take the cleaning part and the disinfecting part very seriously. And when you think about that, um, you know, if we have 10 HVAC students that are using 10 different tools, um, there's 100 tools that need to be cleaned the next day. You know, if during the process of their practical, each one of them touch 10 tools, and there's 10 students, that's 100 tools the next morning that we need to be able to disinfect in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so that's one piece. I have it written into the policy, but I, I'm not 100% sure how we're going to accomplish that, um, short of hiring somebody that their only job is to disinfect uh, tools. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to that point and we reopen. Um, but uh, we did institute that because I thought it was important that we continue to make sure everybody know that they shouldn't be traveling. Um, they shouldn't be having in-person meetings and, you know, all of those things. And we have it laid out right through to getting back to, um, as I put it, what the new normal was. Um, so we have a pretty good plan and I would encourage everybody to, you know, kind of work their way through that. Now, Josh, you hit on something about traveling across state lines, which was one of the other things I wanted to talk about. We have different jurisdictions. Many of you are working, um, have crews working in different jurisdictions. Um, you know, how are we handling travel? And specifically, you know, I'm thinking, you know, November of 2019, you have a crew working out of town during the week. Um, they, they leave, they go out of town on Monday morning, they work Monday night, they go out to dinner. 
Um, you know, they work during the day, they go for dinner, they stay in a hotel. Um, you know, oftentimes even, you know, for lunch, maybe they're running out to grab lunch or, or what have you. Um, how are we handling that now? Um, I'm assuming you're encouraging folks that do have to travel to, you know, travel and take their own water and food with them um, so that they uh, don't need to be going back and forth uh, to, uh, to stores and restaurants for takeout and those types of things. Are you paying for that food that they bring from home as you would if they were on the job, you know, and they had to go, uh, they had to go to a restaurant um, how are you handling that? Are there any new protocols that you've put into place for folks that are traveling out of town and staying out of town for the week? As well as um, if they're traveling 200 miles to the job for the week and then they come back, um, if they need to go to a different job site, are there any special protocols? You know, are you requiring them to quarantine for seven days or three days before they get uh, integrated with a different work crew or a different group thoughts on that we don't have anybody that travels distances like that um we've just locally we've really encouraged everybody to you know bring their own especially water um you know we, we we're trying to get away from you know the big water jugs uh, and i know we talked about that on a previous podcast we also have one job site it's a, a very large job where the general contractor is uh, catering lunch every day for every employee. Um, and it's just so to keep people in the building, keep them from going, you know, to running to, you know, 7-Eleven or McDonald's, um, just trying to keep people inside and um, trying to limit their exposure. What, what about the uh, mixing of crews or are you doing anything special there if if uh, individual a is working with crew a for three weeks and then they move from crew a to crew b um and specifically um to you jason um because you did say you have people working on a few job sites that had have had covid19 cases if you pull people from that job site to go work with a different crew, is there anything outside of the questionnaire that you would do with that, that uh, uh, person? Or are you really striving to just keep people dedicated to individual jobs so that you're not, for lack of better terms, you're not cross-contaminating jobs? Um, thoughts on that. And as well, I mean, with that same question, what about travel in the middle of the day from job site A to job site B? Um, you know, are there any special precautions there? We're really trying to keep the crews together. Um, but in, especially this time of year, you know, you've, you've got a rainy day and one job site shuts down and, you know, we, we shift people to another job site, really not doing anything different except, you know, just really driving home the, you know, if you, if you don't feel good, you, you've got sick leave um, and, and take that leave and just really communicating. Um, I talk to people all the time that, you know, just calling their cell and just seeing how they're feeling. Um, you know, it's just the communication thing. We're really driving home to everybody. Uh, but you know, for the most part, trying to keep crews together, but we're not doing anything above and beyond uh, except the communication with 
cruise back and forth. What about Bill? How are you guys uh, handling those situations? Yeah, we, we work a crew concept. We try to keep the same players in the same positions that we can. And again, there's going to be situations where we have uh, a call back or something. We'll have to send one or two guys out. But uh, typically, we'll run a project. But we'll keep guys there until, until we need to move to another project. Okay. Uh what about uh, digging and rigging, Donnie? Um, you know, you guys don't have the ability to necessarily stay at the same job site for a week or two. Um, you're from one job site to the next. Um, as well as, uh, do you guys have or given any thought to what if you need to go uh, perform a crane lift on a job that has had uh, COVID-19 cases on it? Are there any special protocols that you guys have? Um, as of this time, not really. Basically, I know in the past, some of our jobs have been out of town. And with this going on, I don't know of any uh, employees, to my knowledge, that have stayed out of town. Um, they've had vehicles where they could come back. We may go set up the crane one day, and then they would be uh, given a a vehicle to where they could go out and operate that crane if it's going to be a multiple multiple day job. Um, so then they would just drive back and forth. A lot of times, depending on where the job is, um, it could be a Hagerstown job per se, but we might have a crane dispatch from Morgantown that would go do it because it's closer for the Morgantown yard to go do that job than it is to send a crane out of Hagerstown. Um, so as far as the, the food and drink and, and the staying out of town, uh, just encouraging the guys to bring their own, you know, breakfast, lunch, snacks, which most of them do already. And, uh, as I, again, as I said, nobody to my knowledge has had to stay out of town, um, during this, this time frame. Okay. A anybody else on, uh, on the, the traveling? I thought of one other thing uh, as we were going through that. Um, what about uh, or policies, I guess, um, around uh, vacations? Um, if, uh, and I'm making this up, but, you know, come July, things have opened up across the country and across the world, but we still have certain areas that are, are uh, uh, you know, more hot spots than others. And uh, I don't know, let's say, uh, you know, one of your people uh, takes a trip to China um, and, uh, you know, they go on a mission trip to China and, uh, you know, they come back two weeks later. What do we do with them? Do we let them come right back to work? Um, would you require them to, you know, self-quarantine for a few days here in the U.S. before they come back to work? Um, and that could be going to New York City. I mean, it could it could be plug anywhere in there that you want. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And what would be the criteria there? Has anybody or your companies given that any thought? That's a great question, Amos. Um, right now, you know, everybody's been pulling their vacation requests back in because uh, you can't go anywhere. But that, that's a, a great some great question. I think we're all going to have to, to look at. Um, you, you know, like you said, maybe you do put certain considerations if 
depending on where they're traveling, if it is a hot spot. Um, but yeah, do we make them, you know, stay off for a few days afterwards? I don't know. That's a great question. I'd certainly be interested in, in the rest of the group and how they're going to handle it. I mean, I think you almost have to. I mean, I know our policy, you know, we've, we've amended even policies for our agency. And if I know that if I go to New York City, I have to self-quarantine for 14 days. Um, so, I mean, there's certain hot spots, you know, based off of, uh, you know, what's going on in those areas that um, are, treated, are treated differently. So, you know, I, I think like Jason's referenced in the past about keeping his house clean, you know, and not letting those dirty tools and, you know, come back into their clean house. You know, it's kind of the same standard. You know, you can't let an employee go up and spend a week in New York City knowing they could be coming back with everything that you're trying to keep out of your clean house. Um, so, you know, having policies set up that treat the level of concern in that area. Um, and if somebody decides to go there, you know, that's certainly their decision. But, you know, it is going to affect how they come back into your workplace because, you know, like Bill said, you're not just protecting that person. You know, we're protecting the 20, 30, 50 other people that are working around them. Um, and that's really, you know, from an owner or management perspective, that's, you know, kind of where your mindset has to be. I will share, uh, I wrote into our policy for ABC, um, the return to work or, re or reopening of the office policy. I did write in a clause that says anybody that travels uh, for business or personal, anybody that travels more than 100 miles may be required to self-quarantine um, uh, before returning to the office. Um, and obviously for us, that would be once the office is reopened and we have more than one person at a time being at the office. Why did I pick 100 miles? Um, you know, just thinking about our location and where we're at. And, and my thought was hotspots could jump up, um, you know, in the future in D.C., in Baltimore, in Philadelphia. So uh, Pittsburgh, uh, for that uh, matter. Uh, so I said 100 miles so that, you know, we, we were covered. Um, but I kind of let it at the discretion of management um, that, you know, we would take a look at it on a case by case basis, but we wrote that into our policy that we would require uh, that uh, quarantine time. And that Anybody may not else? be as big of a deal for depending on the, the role of the employee, um, you know, as we're, many of us are working remotely now. So, you know, it may be, you've got to work remotely for, X amount of time frame um, be a little different for our field guys, obviously, uh, but you know, definitely something we need to consider. Well, and Jason, I think anybody that's in a service role, you know, these days you may not be working on a team, you may not work in an office, maybe you work in your own truck, and people think, well, he's not going to affect anybody else on our team, but you, he's coming into close contact with homeowners or you know people from other companies. You know, I think a lot of people are hiring based off of the way that you're handling this right now. So you know, they know that your company is is taking this very seriously, and they're more comfortable hiring you know a company to come into their house and do that type of work. I've, had a couple, you know, contractors call me, suggest what are we going to do? They're, you know, they're telling us that we can't come finish the job that we started and we go back to the contracts and, you know, different things that we've talked about in the past, you know, but that's a real concern for homeowners right now. So when you're in a service industry and somebody goes into say New York city and comes back, you know, to send that person into someone else's home, knowing there's a chance that they could be infected and is really, you know, kind of putting 
almost a reputation on the line, you know, if it were to end up that that person has it and now they just transferred it and you have to call these homeowners and say, Hey, contact tracing. I know that, you know, he was in your house, your house, your house It's really going to have a negative effect, you know, on the business and kind of how the community looks at it. So, yeah, you know, the more we talk about it, there's, there's so many pieces as this branches out, you know, that we have to be aware of uh, when employees leave and go into some of these hotspots, if that's their choice to do so and how the company handles it. Absolutely. We've actually, as well, I, I read this the other day, a service business that uh, basically was creating a schedule um, that uh, you would be uh, you would be on for, you know, like two days, and then you would be off for three days, and then the next person was on for two days. And when I say off, this particular business had other tasks that those people could do. So this doesn't fit for everybody's type of service business. But their point was, um, with some of the new information that has come out, they would have people work two days and then, you know, basically isolate. I'm not going to say quarantine, but isolate for three days to see if they come up with any symptoms. And they were actually advertising this. Uh, to their customers so that their customers knew that they were trying to monitor the health um, of their folks before sending them, uh, sending them into their home to, to do work. Well, and something else that I found too is on the service-based side is, you know, just for uh, one scenario, um, duct cleaning. So that's a service we provide is, you know, you go in and clean somebody's duct work. Um, it's a little different now than it was, you know, several months ago. Um, now there's a, a cleaning portion and then kind of like a disinfecting portion of that service, uh, which is, is a little different. So di different chemicals are being used. Um, and these chemicals, of course, they are promoting, you know, this, this kills COVID-19. So a lot of people are jumping on that. Um, but it's caused me, you know, I'm, I'm looking at new SDS sheets, uh, it requires some different respiratory protection. So, you know, from all of our seats, you know, as far as the safety professionals go, you know, be mindful of changes in your company uh, and as far as PPE and training go as well. I'm very glad you clarified uh, what you were doing there because I thought you guys were cleaning ducks, but I understand now it was duct work. Um, so that's, that's good. I, I was well, that's a new business venture. You know, this has caused us to look at other things and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today for the podcast from the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley. If you'd like more information about us, please check our website at abccvc.org. Until next time, thanks.